I speak English. No. We speak English. No. They speak English. No. With us, you speak English. Yay! An English speaking podcast where you will find lots of content to help you with your daily practice of English and have fun, just as natives do. Listen to interviews and native speakers talking about everything and anything, because with us, you speak English. Welcome to another episode of the You Speak English podcast. Thank you for hitting that play button and subscribing to our podcast channel. I'm Katza, as always, so happy to bring you another episode. Today, we have again this special guest with us is Patricia Frostro. Again, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us this week. Oh, thank you for having me again, Katza. I had so much fun the first time and Uh, my kids listen to the podcast many times and t they're telling their friends that mommy is famous. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. No wonder we have been getting all this feedback It's from my the kids. US. Like, <laughs> yeah, in the US, they listen to us in the US. It's great. <laughs> It's great to hear. Okay, very good. So hello to your kids uh, from this podcast and on. <laughs> and um, today we're going to talk about the English and Spanish Language International Day. And this is a very important topic for us, not only because we're school, but also because we are advocates for, for multilingualism, you know, for, for being multilingual, bilingual, bicultural, whatever means to, to connect and communicate with other people. This is so much of, of a topic these days. Communication is is going through such a hard time, I, in my opinion. And because, you know, all the misinformation and, and interpretations and, and people just get, you know, getting things wrong. And then, I mean, communication is so, so important for humans. And uh, since we are an English school, of course, we're going to be talking, of course, about English, but also because we're Hispanics, yeah. we're going to be talking about Spanish as well. Absolutely. So did you know about this celebration, Patricia? Not until you guys told me about it. And <laughs> then I, you know, I went in and I, I, I delved a little deeper because, you know, I'm a bit of a nerd. But, you know, I want to go back a little bit to something that you said, because you were talking about bilingualism and multiculturalism, but also cultural competence. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that there's something um, uh so important about learning a language where you're also learning the cultural and social cues. It's so important to do that as well, because then you're not learning the language in context. Um, right. one, of, one of the things that I think that you guys do so well is to give that social context, to give a lot of that, that cultural comp competency so that when folks are interacting with Americans, then they'd have some of the nuances from Americans when they're right. interacting with British people. They have some of the nuances of that. Australians, well, nobody knows their nuances because we could all barely understand them, but, you know, <laughs> but we love yes, them anyway. They roll their R so much. <laughs> you, you know, we, we, my kids and I are really big fans of podcasts and we listen to something called um, the Moth Radio Hour where people tell their own stories. Right. And so they had a storyteller from Australia and I, like, we literally had to go back multiple times. Like, what do you say? What, what do you say? What was that? Yes. Um, yes. I had an experience similar to you, but like face to face, I was traveling through Europe back in mm -hmm. 2005 
And I actually made a lot of friends, Australian friends, and most of the group were Australian. The only Hispanics, uh, there was a girl from Monterrey, Mexico. Mm -hmm. There was a girl from Argentina, my friend Martina from Argentina, <laughs> and myself. And basically everybody else was, oh, I th there was a couple of Canadians that mm -hmm. also, and a couple of, I think one girl from LA and a guy from New York, and that's it. Wow. Everyone else was from Australia. And I remember that I was trying to avoid sitting down with the people that are from, from inland Australia mm -hmm. because they are so hard to understand. They are, I mean, they literally don't open their mouths when they speak and it's so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I was, I was sticking to the, you know, the Sydney yeah. <laughs> area, you know, the Melbourne area. You're like, Everybody I can has... understand you. Yeah, uh, exactly. but all the other ones are a little bit more difficult. Uh-huh, um, exactly. Yeah. And so, I can I can imagine the Japanese girls, oh my god, how much they would be struggling. <laughs> but maybe they have a little bit more um of an understanding of their English because they are, you know, technically closer to Australians. So you see a lot of Southeast Asians have migrated right. and immigrated yeah. into yeah. Australia. You, see, you have a lot of Vietnamese, Indonesian. Uh -huh. and yeah, you're are, right. So, so maybe right. they're a little bit more acculturated and maybe they understand it a little bit more than we do that are on this side of the world. And uh, you mostly have to contend with that um, American English, which is already yeah. varied enough, right? There's already <laughs> enough variety there, I think. Yes, there's enough variety. And actually, because as I was growing up, Um, I started studying because in Mexico City, when I was little, it was the big thing to study British English, right? Mm. So and to take schools, the South. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And all schools were like, oh, we teach British English, right? So my English, my basic core English is British. But, but and that, and this is something that I love about language, the fact that you can make a difference. Yes. And also regarding interpretations oh i love it when we say we have something similar in spanish but then we can't really translate to spanish i mean it's the language is unique and i love it because of that yeah i i agree i think that there's something so beautiful about spanish yes, um, yes. you know um we have um I have a friend whose whose grandfather uh, was a professor of Romance languages. May he rest in peace. And he used to say that English is is the the language of of business, but Spanish is the language of love. You of know? love, and, yes. And so you know, and of the soul. And you you know, you sit there and you think about those things. Like absolutely, you know, how yeah. many so many different words in Spanish that don't exist in English. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, despite the fact that English you borrow from so many different languages, right? You know, what yeah. is bracelet is not really an English origin word, you know? No, no. So mm -hmm. um, English has just kind of evolved to be a mishmash of different things. But I think that Spanish, yeah, you know, you, you go through the periods where like the middle Spanish and all that kind of stuff, but it, it didn't evolve and change as much. I think until migration really started to happen. And then you started picking up a lot of the bad habits of um, um, Spanglish. Yeah. Right? <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's easier to, to do that, to adjust a word rather than to, to learn it. 
yes. uh, a proper word, but, but I, I think before then really the, the language really did not have that much variation. And even now, like I, I go to Mexico and I hear people say ner, and at first I was like, this is you know, and they're just like, mm-hmm. no, ned, you know, and I was just like, oh, nerd. I'm like, oh, why nerd. do you guys not? Why don't you guys have a word of your own in Spanish to denote uh-huh. that, right? And it's just like, yes. why should we? You know, we do. We have nerd. And this is like, okay. Yes, with the nerd with that. Yeah, with a, exactly. 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 Okay, let's, um, let's uh, you know, go into a little bit of this, the history let's of this celebration. Let's talk about this. Yes. Um, so the UN has established April 23rd, which was uh, last uh, uh, Sunday, mm-hmm. the official, sorry, Saturday, <laughs> the official day to celebrate English as well as Spanish language. Uh, an interesting fact is that both William Shakespeare and Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra are commemorated for their death in this mm-hmm. particular day. They both died on April 23rd. So we think. And so we think that, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So we would think so. Yeah. In literature, these two uh, major representatives of the language, we we do care about them. And some of us, we have grown to read maybe William Shakespeare right. in the United States and in Mexico. We totally read Miguel de Cervantes at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, not so much now in in schools. I think culture has been shifted to another type of books mm. um, but I remember the first time I read um, El Quixote yeah. I was like seven years old I had the kids version you know the kids edition and I and I would read it every month like I, I would be on it all the time and I would talk to my mom about it and And particularly, I do have this kind of like feeling with Shakespeare as well. I don't very much like Romeo and Juliet. I think they, I mean, I know that his purpose was not to show love. Mm -hmm. The purpose was to show how absurd humans can get when they're in love. Right. So that's why I really don't like Romeo and Juliet, but I love Hamlet. I love the way they use the You're like the the tragedy, tragedy. You like the hardcore, (laughs) internal turmoil to be or not to be. (laughs) That That is is the question. question. Exactly. Yeah. That's some yes. existential stuff there, Katza. That's yeah, existential. Totally, totally existential. And I can, I can, I can actually listen to many, you know, actors who have been doing the sol- the soloquy mm-hmm. for many, many, many years. And I do go on YouTube and just. Who's your favorite? Well, who's your favorite actor who depicts that soliloquy? So it used to be Kenneth Branagh, to be oh, honest. Really? It used to be. Oh, you caught me off guard on that one. Okay. Yeah, you did. Yes, it used to be Kenneth Branagh, but now um, Tom Hiddleston does it really well. You know, with his voice, Tom Hiddleston. His voice oh. so deep, and he's British also. So. Oh yeah. 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 Isn't he pretty multilingual too? I think he speaks like a couple he of is. languages. Yes, he speaks four languages. Yeah. Yeah. But the one, the one that really, I think he got it, you know, to the spot and then you can understand it, even if you're not very well read in English Mm -hmm. is Andrew Scott. 
I think mm. the way he intended it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh. How about you? Well, so you know Shakespeare. You know we we started learning him early on, and I think that even throughout high school, like every year we did a, a year of language arts, right? Right. And so starting every year, we would we would have one play that we'd focus on. So the first year was Romeo and Juliet. The second year was Julius Caesar. The third year, I don't even remember anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then you know, and then there was always a production of the of the Tempest. There's always a production of like all of these different um, Shakespeare plays. And I, I think I just kind of got to the point when I got to college and really started to um, read the classics and examine them a little bit more critically. I got more into the point of thinking, um, well, I want to know more what was going on in this period. And then you learn a little bit more in terms of like Shakespeare might not have even written this stuff. It probably was his wife. It probably was his lover. It was, and that it all, a lot of these things point to an actually a woman probably having been the author of a lot of these plays. And I find that fascinating. I totally yeah. find that fascinating. Um, I think for me, you know, the one that I probably like the more, the most is, uh, is Caesar, Julius Caesar. Like okay. I am, I'm into that one. I'm into, you know, I am Caesar, you know, it's very um, dramatic, you know, yeah. like I, I, I feel you on the Hamlet. I, I feel you in terms of um, the drama, the, the, the inner turmoil, but for me, that political yeah. aspect of Julius Caesar was just awesome. And, and yeah. think about the times, right. The Roman times, this is the birthplace of democracy, really. Right. And, you know, you have this, this idea of, of, of an emperor, you know, you're, you're really starting to see that imperialism is really going to go down. Yes. And what, what ego does to a politician, really, mm -hmm. right. what does yeah. ego do? And so to me, it's a cautionary tale for, for us in terms of power and how to deal with power. Right. So I, that's why I like it because I think, I think about it all the time. I, I think that there is something um, so slippery slope about holding power and, and we all hold power in different ways. And I think sometimes we don't realize it, but, you know, sometimes men don't realize how they hold power over women. You know, sometimes women don't realize how they hold power over children. You know, but we're all in some ways, someone holds power over us or we'll hold power over other people. And how do we behave once we have it? To me, all of that is always so fascinating. It um, is. Absolutely. You know, once once you, be you, you become that person that is holding of power, what do you do with it? And I think what, what we realized with Julius Caesar is, is really that, you know, a lot of terrible things can happen. And that if you are a terrible ruler, you're going to have a whole bunch of people like these senators conspiring to kill you. And so yeah. beware, beware of how you act, because there's always a way to take you down. I find that fascinating. Right, right. It is. I totally agree with you. It is fascinating. I mean, uh, you know, human behavior has always been a mystery. And I don't think that we have uncovered at least not even 10% of what it is. Yeah. I mean, we are. Uh, baby steps, doing baby steps in that. Absolutely. But uh, and now that you have talked about power, uh, I do have to say something that I think, I think I may have reflected on uh, when you were talking because 
when it comes to speaking English, I'm not the only one in my family who does mm-hmm. speak English. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it, of course. But I do feel like at some point being having this skill, you know, being able to communicate in other language is also empowering to me. I mean, I Absolutely. feel I feel more confident and I feel I feel compelled to to get better every day and I feel yeah. compelled to to talk to other people, to exchange ideas, to right. to exp- to expose mine and and to have these conversations. It, this is really this is really something that I would like everyone now there listening to to us is I would like you to invite I would like you to invite this feeling into your life and 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 become bilingual because it is human and because it is not because you want another not only because you want another job or you want to make a better living, you know, it's also because there's something human about it. And it's really, really uh, important and interesting to, to go through this. It's a tool, right? It is. And, and, and as many tools as you gather in your arsenal, that's where a way to hold power, you know? Yeah. And I, I think you, you bring up an excellent point. It, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than to not be able to express yourself or to be understood, you know? Absolutely. So the more you're able to engage in different languages that you're able to engage in different cultures, um, that gives you the ability to feel empowered and yeah. emboldened, you know, yeah. to, to be known and have your opinions be known and have your words be known. And I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up actually something into this conversation because we are, you know, for the talking to, you know, Mexicanos in somewhere or the other, but I I looked up the index of uh, English proficiency in Latin Mm -hmm. America. And like, do you know who the highest English proficient Latin American country? Like, do you know which one it is that the country that speaks the most English English. with with the highest proficiency? I would like to say Mexico. <laughs> it's Argentina. Argentina. And Mexico indexes last. Right. In Mexico is like right after Ecuador, I think. <gasps> and, oh my goodness. And it's like number 16 or number 17 or something like that. Oh, we have in, to change in that. <laughs> that proficiency scale. And I wanted to kind of touch on that. I think it's relevant and important to the work you totally. do. You know, totally. Why do you think? Mexicans have scored so low in this English proficiency scale. Well, I I, I would like to to think that it's maybe many factors, and mm. I think one of them is technology. Mm. For for in my opinion, I think technology has made us more um, a little. I'm gonna say, um, go over the comfort zone to to think I have a translator. I don't need so it's to made learn us a little language. lazy. Yes, yes, perhaps going on on the lazy side, and also the fact the lack of opportunity here because you know it's not easy to find a school um, that provides English or provides good quality English. It's mm-hmm. difficult. You know, many schools sell their programs as being the best and that you will master English in six months and you will talk to people and you will, you know, you don't need grammar. You don't need, 
and they lie to 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 students and mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that makes us different because we never lie to our students we never say you're going to master english in six months that's impossible yeah you didn't you didn't even master spanish yet mm-hmm. <laughs> right how are you going to master english right. in six months it's just not it doesn't make any sense it's illogical and i think that's another factor too and they i mean they have been lied to so much that i think they're totally disappointed on learning the language and also because my third point would be here for third and last would be maybe it's because we are being forced into in terms of you need it for a better job you need it for a better uh, opportunity or you need it to migrate to another country and we see it as too too high to reach And we don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe that we can do it. And we feel forced into it. Mm. And you know how Mexicans are when they feel forced into, into things. Yeah. yeah that, well, that's what I think. That's, that I would like to think that those are the reasons. You know, and for me, I, I thought about it when I saw it. And at first, I was in shock. I was just like, oh, that's so strange. And then I wasn't. And then it, I thought about it a little bit more. And I was just like, you know. It's that that expression from Porfirio Diaz, you know, so so far from God and so close to the United States. And I think that sometimes because of the history of migration that we have, that so many people didn't need the language in order for them to migrate, that there's right. almost a sense of like comfort in terms of like, it's not really necessary for me mm-hmm. to to have English and to be incredibly proficient in English. Like, yeah enough, you know, right. You know, that's all I need. I just need enough to survive, but not enough to really, truly be proficient. And I'm still going to, you know, go to El Norte and earn dollars and, you know, all these Mm -hmm. things. It's almost like it's not a necessity uh, because truly, and one of the things that I learned is that the United States is is the second biggest country that of, of, of Spanish speakers, Yeah. So you have Mexico number one, and then you have numbers number two, the United States of right. in terms of population of Spanish speakers. So do you really need English yeah. in order for you to kind of survive and make it? Well, especially if, if you move to these metropolis, right, where you have the high, you know, Hispanic Latino populations. Yeah. And you could literally go all day and not speak a word of English if you don't want to and navigate those spaces only. But what a limited life. Right. What a limited yes, life to just so. only, you know, navigate those barrios that where everyone's going to understand you. You're eating the same food that you ate in, in your pueblo. Everything is the same experience. You just duplicated over here. I, I think that that would have been, um, you know, a, a loss of opportunity to really become bicultural and to really become bilingual. Yes, I think that to become bicultural or multilingual, I think you need you need certain not only motivation, but ambition. Mm. Ambition, not in terms of how much are you going to make to, you know, if you speak English. Because now, like you say, this is one of the things that really shocked me when I moved to the States, um, that I saw everywhere. It's like, we speak Spanish in in Mm -hmm. businesses and and, and, in lawyer offices and, you know, important things like yeah. doing court or hablamos español. <laughs> so you're okay. Don't worry. You can come to us. See what I mean? So it's, I think it's more like own 
it's your own decision. It's your own ambition. And, and this is something that you have always been, you know, looking for. But, but, you know, I think some things are changing now and I'll tell you why, because my parents' generations and the generations before them, everybody planned on going back to Mexico. Right. The, the migration was just a temporary thing. Right. And so eh, why well, learn the language? I'm going to go back to my country anyway. But mm -hmm. the newer migrations that I've seen, people are not really planning on going back anymore. They're not. People no. want to come to the United States to stay. So right. I think that when you have more of a plan of permanence, then you make the, the preparations to have more permanence and to be successful. And I think that there, therein lies a difference in, in right. terms of how we are approaching language learning for English. Yeah, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's like they, they as as much as they need it, they will learn it or not. It's, and it's a it's a it's a personal decision, yeah. I think. Yeah. Do you want to be in the professional sphere in, in the United States? If you do, then you have to learn it. But yes. if you don't, you know, if you if you kind of feel like, well, you know, I I, I had a journeyman profession in my country. I'm going to have a journeyman profession in in California or in Florida in Texas. Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't matter whether or not I really truly learn. Yeah, enough exactly. Because as long as they can to be a professional anyway. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they can communicate and ask how much is it and count to $10, they're fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, in my opinion, to be able to master one of the, you know, there are six official mm -hmm. languages according yes. to the UN, which is Spanish, English, Russian, uh, Chinese and Arabic yeah. and French uh-huh Arabic and yeah. French yeah right um to be able to master one of the six official languages according to the UN is crucial mm -hmm. to make multilingualism happen mm -hmm. what do you think I, I think that's absolutely correct I mean you know these languages that were chosen are, are no accident they really do cover a vast amount of geography right mm -hmm. And so if you know Arabic and, and clearly, you know, the different variants of Arabic are not identical, right? No. But if you know Arabic, chances are you're going to be able to navigate pretty well throughout the Middle East, right? And that, and that portion of what we, we call in, in former government spaces that I used to move in, uh, in, we used to call it the MENA region, the Middle Eastern North African spaces, right? you know? And so you have that area covered. If you know Chinese and, you know, particularly probably Chinese Mandarin, then you're going to be able to cover, you know, a lot of the areas where there's Chinese and Chinese influence, like even right. Malai, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so certain areas like that Indonesia has a lot of Chinese immigrants as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, and the, the French, I think probably more than not, It's kind of a legacy language. I, I don't think mm -hmm. that there's as much in terms, but, you know, in Africa, you still speak it a lot. They do. Um, you know, you, you have a lot of French in Africa that is left over from colonialism. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's absolutely true. Now, me being the person that could be a little petty sometimes, I was thinking, well, why did all of these countries get their own, like their languages get their own day and English and Spanish have to share the same day? I thought that was really <laughs> weird. As, yeah, as, it was really weird. It it, it 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 was only because uh, Miguel de Cervantes and yeah. William Shakespeare yeah. Shakespeare supposed to have died on the same day. And Shakespeare supposed to have been born that day too. Uh -huh. Isn't that weird to have like lived, been born, and died on the same I'm day? Saying, I don't know about yeah. that. That's so strange to me. It is. He probably was like thirty something too. 
<laughs> most likely because you know yeah, life sure. life expectancy was not very high at that time. Absolutely. I mean, even in terms of just how much we know now about oral health alone, right? That right. you know how your mouth is determines hygiene. how your health is. Yeah, hygiene. it's hygiene. Yeah. It's so important, but. Yeah. We know it now because of the current public health emergency that we're in right now, how important hygiene is, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it just comes back, keeps coming back to remind us every once in a while, you know, yes. hey, wash your hands, wash don't your cough hands. on people. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to people like, like so up close. Yeah. Keep, keep your distance, you know, keep your distance. Yes. You wear a mask. And I mean, wearing a mask is always, um, difficult it's it's a big barrier to to people who don't speak the language because it's it's so hard to understand when people are yeah. talking behind the mask it's it's something that has become a factor here, we pick up example. a lot of uh, the expressions right that help us figure out a word sometimes yeah so exactly. we have like an expression that we're showing with our face and we can't pick up on those nuances anymore with masks. And with then, masks. You know, then also, you know, the, the muffling of the noises and the sounds, you know, right. So yeah, yeah. I get it. I definitely get yeah. it. Yes. So yeah, for wrapping this episode is oh, so sad. It's the time to go so soon. Uh, I'm having so much fun <laughs> talking to you about this, but what are some of your insights about multilingualism? You know, I, for me, um, it's, it's been kind of a, a personal goal. Uh, you know, I, I feel like people collect shoes, people collect, you know, uh, cars, I collect languages. And so, you know, I, I, for me, it's kind of a, like you said earlier, and I really related to what you said, Katza, that, you know, language is, is power. And uh, perhaps this is, I'm exposing that perhaps I'm a little bit more power hungry than I believed myself to be. But um, <laughs> I really do think that there's really nothing. I, I'm a communicator, you know, and I've, I've ended up working in fields where I have to do a lot of communicating all the time, all day long. Um, right. And to be able to do it in someone else's mother tongue mm -hmm. is, is really, for me, a humbling of myself to them. Mm -hmm. And letting them understand that I know I'm not speaking this perfectly, but I am, you know, doing that. I don't know if you watch Harry Potter, that, you know, hypocrite bow. Of, uh -huh. you know, understanding that, you know, I, I am making these, um, I'm making an effort for you for out of respect. Right. Uh, and I think that that's so important because given to what you said earlier, when you opened the show, um, There's so much of breaking down of communication that's going on right now. So much mm -hmm. that relies on us having mistrust of one another and not, yeah. and not really believing that we have the best of intentions of one another. You know, I think before we used to have the belief of like, oh, he didn't mean to do that. And now it's the opposite. The opposite is like looking, totally for, a fight, <laughs> looking for a fight where it would have been just maybe a little accident or a slight. And now you're looking for a fight. And so, right. you know, I, I think that if we remember respect, you know, Benito Juarez, we remember respect, we remember, you know, um, that people have the right to, to make their choices and express themselves, but all, of course, within the, the round of reason. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's a, a powerful way of, of really reconnecting uh, and not seeing people as the other. You know, there's a lot of research that shows that if we do not relate to people, 
then we don't really think they're as important as we are. Yeah. Um, and so one of the ways that we can relate is through language. One through of the language. ways that we can Absolutely. relate is through food. One of the ways that we can relate is through telling each other our stories and each other's yeah. stories. You know, and I think that that's really powerful and, and amazing. It is. It is. And I, I, I mean, I would like to, to delve a little in what you just said about humble to others because we're learning their language and we know that we're not perfect, perfect at it, but that we are on the way to get there. And maybe someday we don't mm -hmm. have, we don't have any knowledge of when, but Uh, actually, but it won't that, be six months. <laughs> it won't. Absolutely. It won't. Just keep that in mind. It won't be six months. Exactly. It know? won't. And, and I, I do think, for example, I do have this, this um, opportunity to talk to students and I, in my classes, what I do with, you know, special holidays, we talk about mm -hmm. it and And I bring research and I bring, you know, the historic part and the cultural part. Mm -hmm. And why do we celebrate That's Thanksgiving, awesome. for example, right? And I remember last year when I was asking them what, what would they like to learn about either Thanksgiving from Canada or Thanksgiving from the States. And they all said, oh, no, 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 Canada, Canada. We hate gringos. <laughs> thank you <And> Trump <laughs> exactly thank you thank you Mr. Trump so yeah I would like to say this uh, it's not about loving or hating some country's population we're talking about language and we're talking about culture and the fact that they don't have prehistoric culture as we do like with Aztecs mm -hmm. and all those different communities and cultures and everything that doesn't mean that they don't or you guys don't have culture i do believe there's an american culture and i do believe that perhaps maybe a little bad propaganda going on mm -hmm. thank you hollywood and <laughs> all those then tv and stuff but i do believe that there's some great things about american culture that i would first share love to talk to you about some mm. other time in our podcast this is yeah. my following topic for you talk about you know what? Well, what we need to talk about is that we do indeed have a native population in this country um i think that you know it was decimated um mm -hmm. by uh you know purposefully you know yeah. it was decimated people were driven out of their land people were starved um and yet these populations have remained And uh, they're active. I've been very proud to, to work with, with uh, Navajos, with um, uh, Sioux, Lakotas, different folks. And I, I will say that, that the traditions are there. But when you have, you know, generations upon generations of your cultures being picked apart and not yeah. incorporated, because that's the difference between Mexicanos and the native culture is that you know, it was kind of folded in and enveloped, right? Mm -hmm. And Misty Sake did that in a way where, you know, you didn't have the separation. No, in we the didn't. In the United States, it was, it's, it was completely different. You know, yeah, you had like, a little let's bit clap of, it up. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's just carve it out and pretend it didn't happen. And let's just say that this country, you know, was originated for by, you know, white Americans for white Americans. It's really very interesting. It's a it cognitive is. dissonance where like people have had to literally invent a lie and believe it 
Yeah. And go on believing it. <laughs> and go on believing it and perpetuating it in order for them to to maybe not feel like, you know, oh, it wasn't monstrous powerless. to these peoples in these societies. <laughs> feel uh, powerless. I think that's it, that's the main issue. Absolutely. Right. I, yeah. I think I, you said it right there, Katza, to not feel powerless because how powerless do people feel when you realize how you became to, to, to take power, you right. know? Um, and, and eventually what happens with everyone as we see it, let's go. I love when these conversations go back around full circle, Roman empire fell eventually. And who would have thunk it? Yeah. You know, empires rise and fall in any given century. And, you know, just as at one point, you know, Americans felt and believed themselves to be at the very top. I'm not so sure if that's going to be the case in 20 to 30 years. Yeah, right. Yes, everything happens. Everything rolls. And I think we're all in, the, in like a fairy's wheel going up and mm -hmm. down, going up and down. And it is it is what it is. All right. Any, well, we didn't any... mean to depress anyone with that one. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, it, I mean. It, it's been a great talk, Patricia. Thank you, as always. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And any final thoughts that you would like to leave with our audience today? You know, um, I just want to thank everyone for, for tuning into this. Um, if, if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're on the road to becoming English proficient and one day fluent. Mm -hmm. um, but don't stop there and uh, keep going because I think that there's something so beautiful about um, going to another land and speaking their language. Right. Um, and, and I think that, that that's what's going to keep, to keep us connected in this world that despite all of our tools, we feel so disconnected. Yeah, so. yeah, you're right. I applaud your words. Thank you, Patricia. This, was, this has been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening out there. This is it for today. And remember to subscribe to our channel. If you liked this podcast, please share it with all your friends. And don't forget to visit our, our website where you will find more articles on English speaking and practicing. All right. Until next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast channel and click on the follow button so you can get notified when we upload new episodes. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And please visit our website at youspeak.com.ms where you can get free access to our blogs and other content developing every week just for you.